Thank you, and once again, good day to students and teachers of the Word of God. On the Theological Seminar of the Air, for the past several weeks, we've been studying the person and work of the Holy Spirit, called properly in systematic and dogmatic theology, pneumatology, after the Greek word pneumatos, for spirit. In the last lesson, we established the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not a human person, for he does not possess a human body as we do. The Holy Spirit, however, is a person, and not only a person, but a divine person. The Holy Spirit is God Almighty, equal to the Father and the Son in every respect. And the nonsense put out by the Jesus-only people that the Trinitarian formula was a Roman Catholic invention is pure, unadulterated nonsense. If you've been with us in our studies, and especially in the first series on theology, where we studied the doctrines concerning God the Father and the Trinity, you know as well as you know your own name that the Bible clearly teaches God the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, one God, three persons. This is perfectly apparent throughout the many, many uses of the word in the Scripture, and when people try to make God the Father Jesus and God the Son Jesus and God the Holy Spirit Jesus, they're only making a liar out of God and a fool out of themselves. The Bible says nothing of the sort, nothing of the kind. The Father, as God, has distinct personalities and a personality and distinct characteristics uh, that have to do with his personality that are not applicable to the others. By the same token, each have communicable attributes which uh, they share with the others. Now, when we talk this way, the unregenerate man thinks there's a contradiction because the natural man receiveth not the thing of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. However, the Son is a perfect illustration of these matters. The Son is one Son. However, it has three kinds of rays, without which, if any were missing, it would not be sunshine. The Son is a type of Christ, according to Malachi chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 13 and Psalm 19. The Son, therefore, has light rays, as you can see, but not feel, a type of God the Son. It has rays that you can feel but not see, a type of God the Holy Spirit. And it has actinic rays which can be neither seen nor felt, a type of God the Father. You are one person, but you are body, soul, and spirit. Your body is not your soul, your soul is not your spirit, your spirit is not your soul, and your spirit is not your body. But you're one person. Is that clear? Now, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one God, manifest in three persons. And last week and the week before in the broadcast, we discussed at great length, giving scores and scores of scriptures in the context within which they appeared, showing you that God the Holy Spirit was a person. When we say God the Holy Spirit, we mean the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, a manifestation of the Trinity. In regard to the deity of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit possesses divine attributes. That's the first thing. The Holy Spirit does things that only God can do. That's the second thing. The Scriptures make very strong statements about the deity of the Holy, Holy Ghost. That's the third thing. And the fourth thing is the Holy Spirit is constantly linked with God the Father and God the Son, although distinct as a person. Now, this involves, of course, the mystery of the Trinity, and the mystery of the Trinity we discussed in great length in our first six lessons on the Theological Seminar of the Air. If you've been with us now until this point, you are at the 44th lesson in this series, which completes nearly a year's broadcast, and which has covered well over, well over, 800 verses of Scripture. As a matter of fact, well over a 1,000 verses of Scripture. 
First of all, in regards to the deity of the Holy Spirit, we notice this. The Holy Spirit is divine because he possesses divine attributes. He is eternal. That isn't true of anybody but the Trinity. Hebrews 9:14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, the eternal Spirit, this is not the spirit of the devil, the devil is not eternal. This is not the spirit of man, the spirit of man is not eternal. This is not the spirit of the beast that goeth downward of the earth. These are finite spirits, which can only have eternal life by receiving the eternal spirit. The Holy Spirit, furthermore, is omnipresent. David said in Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. David said there was no way to escape God's Spirit. And unlike poor old Jonah, who tried to flee from the presence of the Lord, David admitted at the start that if he made his bed in hell, the Spirit of the Lord will still be manifest there in power, wrath, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. This cannot be said of you or the devil or any animal you ever met in your life. The Holy Spirit as a person is a divine person. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. We read in Luke chapter 135, the power of the Holy Ghost came upon Mary for a conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and in Job 26, verse 13, we read, By His Spirit, God's Spirit, by His Spirit He hath garnished the heavens. The galaxies, nebula, star clusters, variable cephids and white and yellow and blue dwarfs and all this and that were created by the Holy Spirit of God. This is the work of a person who is divine. There is no chance at all that a demiurge or a semi-god or the devil created these things. As a matter of fact, the Lord says in the book of Jeremiah, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even these shall perish from under these heavens. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. In 1 Corinthians 2.10, we read, The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God, and the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. If you remember our first two lessons of the Trinity, we learned that God was eternal, he was omnipresent, he was omnipotent, he was omniscient. All these things are true of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is eternal, he's omnipresent, everywhere at once, omnipotent, has all power, he's omniscient, and knows all things. Jesus said in John 14:26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, he shall teach you all things. And again in John 16:12, The Spirit of truth has come, and he will guide you into all truth. That isn't all. If you remember our first six lessons in the Trinity, when we were discussing theology proper, the study of God, we learned that God is not only omnipotent and omnipresent and eternal and omniscient, but holy. The same thing is said of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the word holy is connected with his name, not uh, as a noun, but as an adjective describing his character. Notice the constant occurrence in the New Testament of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in distinction from unholy spirits, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, in distinction from the spirits of dead people that are unclean. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit is truth. 1 John 5, 6, the Spirit is truth. In Nehemiah 9, 20, we read, Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them. The Holy Spirit then possesses divine attributes. The attributes can only be ascribed to God the Father.
Not even Jesus Christ in his earthly life as a man was omnipresent. As a matter of fact, unless he exercised his deity, he was not omniscient. And said at one time about his advent, no man knoweth the hour, not even the sun. That will make the blasphemous, obscene of mistake of thinking that the Father is Jesus, and the Son is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is Jesus, is irreverent, blasphemous tomfoolery. The Holy Spirit has the attributes of God the Father. Jesus Christ didn't have these attributes as a man. Now, as a member of the Trinity, yes, as the only begotten Son and the everlasting Father and God manifest in the flesh, yes. But the man Christ Jesus, unless he exercised his deity, suffered, bled, thirsted, hungered, and was exhausted exactly as a man, not as the Trinity. Now, furthermore, the Holy Spirit does things that only God can do. You will notice the Holy Spirit is active in creation, salvation, giving life, regeneration, prophecy, and reproving men of righteousness and judgment to come. This is the work of the third person of the Godhead. In creation, Job 33, 4, Job says, The Spirit of God hath made me. In Psalm 104, verse 30, David said, Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created. In salvation, we read in 1 Corinthians 6.11, You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Also, we have the sealing of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1.13. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed the day of redemption, and whom after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit must be God because he gives life, and only God can give life. In John 6, 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the author of the new birth. That which is born of water is water. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In your first fleshy birth of water, you're born of flesh, and you cannot be born again till you're born again by the Holy Ghost. Regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Peter 1.21, we read, For no prophecy came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as it removed by the Holy Ghost. The prophecy came in old time not by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as it removed by the Holy Ghost. Then the Holy Spirit was active in inspiration and in prophecy. Also, the Holy Spirit is in the world today reproving men of righteousness, sin, and judgment to come. Read especially the passage in John chapter 16, verse 11, where you're told the work of the Holy Spirit in the world in this age is to convince men of the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ, to convince them there's only one man that's righteous, and that's Christ, because he rose from the dead and went to the Father, and to convince the world of judgment because the devil has been judged, and the devil is their father and their God. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit in the world in this day with unsaved men is threefold. The first thing the Holy Spirit convinces a man of is the sin of rejecting a perfect man. When the man argues about this and says, what about other religious leaders, and what about other religions, and what about the folks in Vietnam and Japan and Korea, you know the old party line, the Holy Spirit is there to convince that man and convict him of the fact that Mao Zedong and Leo Zedong and Pope John and Pope Paul and Pope Leo and Pope Urban, Urban and Mary Baker Patterson-Eddy and Judge, Russell, Judge uh, uh, Rutherford and Pastor Russell and Joe Smith and Brigham Young and Pope Urban and Pope Gregory did not come up from the dead. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
You may get infuriated with Bible preachers talking about those matters due to your narrow-minded, intolerant bigotry, but the truth of the matter is, the spirit in the world today that convinces men of the dirty, blasphemous, rotten, hellish, damnable sin of following dead men who are dead is the Holy Ghost of God, the third person of the Trinity, the one who created the galaxies. And his job is to show you that only one man rose from the dead and went back to the Father. Therefore, that man is righteous, and you're unrighteous, and the men you're following are unrighteous. And if you're following a man who's still in the grave, like Buddha or Muhammad, a man whose bones you can visit, then you're not right. And that isn't my opinion, thank God. That is the official work assigned to the third person of the Godhead by God the Father. John, chapter 16, verse 8 to 11. And finally, the Holy Spirit is in the world today to convince the sinner that there's a judgment for him and a hell for him because his father, the devil, has been judged. Christ said, You of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He is called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, and all the kingdoms of this world were given to him in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 8. Therefore the children of this world who worship God and believe in one God are devil worshippers who counterfeit God the Father with God the devil. And of these children, Christ said, You of your father, the lust of your father you will do. You serpents, that's the devil, you generation of vipers, another reference to the devil, how can you escape the damnation of hell? So when a preacher stands in a pulpit and tells you without the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. And when a preacher stands on a street corner or sends you a tract and it says, or he says on the street corner, that Mao Zedong and Lao Tse and Muhammad and Buddha and Rosicrucians and the Taoists and the Confucianists and the Hindu and the Muslim religion and the Popes cannot save you, he is doing the work of the Godhead. And the reason why you resent it is because you're against God and God is against you. And that is my opinion or my judgment. That's the clear-cut statement of John chapter 3, verse 36. The Scripture makes very strong statements about the Holy Spirit. For example, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 to 10, we read, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and Paul referring to this passage in Acts 28, 25, said, quote, Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet. This means when Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Paul identifies the Lord as the Holy Ghost. Did you notice in the book of Acts when Agabus is prophesying that he doesn't say, Thus saith the Lord, although this is the time-honored formula that appears throughout the Old Testament in more than 200 instances. In more than 200 instances in the Old Testament, when a man speaks, he says, Thus saith the Lord. But lo and behold, in Acts chapter 21, verse 11, read it, Acts 21, verse 11, we read, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is divine. He is the third person of the Godhead. In Acts 5, verse 3 to 5, the Holy Spirit is called God. Peter told Ananias and Sapphira, Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, and then turned right around and said, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now, of course, when you bring these things out, this is most embarrassing for this charismatic claptrap that goes on in America today. 
because these hobbly-gobbly, untie, hostile, shantai, bow-tie people, these nuts think the Holy Ghost is something extra that God gives you after you get saved or after you get the Spirit to give you this feeling and give you these gifts. You can't have God without having the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is God, friend. So we see the spirit spoken of by the charismatics is a false spirit from another God. He's not the Holy Spirit of the Bible at all. The Holy Spirit of the Bible is the third person of the Godhead. And this is reiterated over and over and over again. Notice the divine couplets. Matthew 28, 19. Baptize them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Why, that isn't the name of Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is not Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and the Comforter. Why, Jesus is not the name of the Father. The name of the Father is God Almighty and Almighty God and the Lord and the Lord God and Jehovah and Yah. Why, the name of the Father is not Jesus Christ, but he said in the name. So these people who get their Bible all screwed up say, why, it's the name of Jesus. You couldn't be worse off if you were an unsaved man. The name of the Father is the Lord, the name of the Son is the Lord, and the name of the Holy Ghost is the Lord. Acts 28, verse 25 to 27. The Lord is that Spirit, he says in Second Corinthians chapter 3. This, of course, marks off the difference between the Bible-believing, born-again Christian who believes the Word of God and knows the Word of God, the rooted and grounded in the faith, and the charismatic, hobbly-gobbly, flibber-blabber, blubber-bobber, hostile, shun, die-on-die, bow-tie person who never knows whether he's coming or going or where he's been or how to get there. You get the Trinity screwed up, you get the whole thing screwed up. The Father is one person with certain attributes and titles and names and functions. The Son is another person with certain names, titles, attributes, and functions. The Holy Spirit is another person with a certain names, titles, attributes, and functions, and the three persons are one God, and his name is the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we find the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. In John 14, 16, Jesus says, And I, there the Son, will pray the Father, there's God the Father, and he should give you another comforter. There's God the Holy Spirit. See it? John 14, 16, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Matthew 28, 19. And when you find a bunch of people that think when they receive Jesus Christ, they got some spirit, and then later on when they got sanctified or blubber-blabber to hobbly-gobbly untie a bow-tie, they got the Holy Ghost, you're dealing with people who denied the triune Godhead. The Holy Spirit is the Lord. You can't receive the Lord without receiving the Holy Spirit, and you can't receive the Holy Spirit without receiving the Lord, and if you got what you call the Holy Spirit after you receive the Lord, you got an unclean spirit. And this is what Paul called another spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. Read it. Don't get mad at me. These programs are for students and teachers who want to study the Word of God to find out what it says, as it says it, in the context in which it appears. And there's nobody in Abilene, Texas, that could keep up with this for 25 lessons 
let alone the whole series of 200. Now the Holy Spirit is distinct from the Father and the Son, as we've said before. Some people think the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, and not a separate, distinct person. But this isn't true at all. Notice in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 22, at the baptism of Jesus, the three distinct persons are in evidence. God the Father said, quote, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. At this time, God the Son was being baptized by John the Baptist in the river Jordan, and God the Holy Spirit descended in bodily shape like a dove. Three separate, distinct persons, all present at the same time, and not the same. So we find two great pitfalls for the unwary and gullible and unlearned and unstable Christian, and these two great pitfalls are dug on either side of the road to orthodoxy. The first is the Arian heresy taught by the New American Standard Version, recommended by Christian schools. This godless depraved publication teaches the great Arian doctrine that there are two gods. If you have a copy of the New American Standard Version published by the Lockman Foundation and recommended by Christian faculty members at colleges and schools, you will find this blasphemy in John chapter 118, where an only begotten God reveals another God. This is called the Arian heresy and was taught by Pastor Russell and Judd Rutherford, and it is most manifest in the New World Translation of the Bible in John 1.1, where it says the word was a God. Thus you have two gods and no Holy Spirit. Or if you're going to be orthodox, you're going to have to have three gods, for as sure as Jesus Christ was God, so is the Holy Ghost. So you have this first pitfall to the left field of Christianity, which teaches more than one God, God the Father and God the Son, two separate gods, and the Holy Spirit, a third God, of just an influence. Then on the right hand, we have the Jesus-only people who put you off on the right wing, and they're trying to tell you there's no distinction in the Godhead, but that the Father's name is Jesus, the Son's name is Jesus, the Holy Ghost's name is Jesus, and if you baptize in the name of Jesus, you'll get all three. Now, this irreverent nonsense comes from failure to discern the difference between Acts 10 and Acts 2. In Acts 2, at a Jewish baptism, the Jews will be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, having crucified the Jewish Messiah. In Acts chapter 10, in Gentile baptism, nobody is baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They're baptized in the name of the Lord. You will find, however, in order to make Acts 2 line up with Acts chapter 10, the new Bibles, any, they're all corrupt, have added the word Jesus Christ to the last couple of verses in Acts 10 to make you think the baptism of Acts 10 is identical to Acts 2. This is what we call private interpretation, and of course in the course of law it's called embezzlement. You can only get away with it in a Christian school. You can't get away with it in a law court. The words are not in the text. The Gentile baptism uh, in the name of the Lord, uh, Acts chapter 10, and the name of the Lord is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. To say that nobody in the book of Acts is baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost shows a remarkable lack of insight and a lack of serious Bible study on the part of the novice or the jackleg who is setting himself up as an elder when there's nothing but uh, I don't know what. The name of the Lord is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is the Lord. The baptism, therefore, of Acts chapter 10 is not the baptism of Acts chapter 2. Anybody could see this immediately who believed what God said as he said it where he said it. Since 90% of the elders, stewards, ministers, bishops, deacons, uh, cardinals, prelates, uh, preachers, evangelists, and teachers no longer believe it, 
while professing to believe it, they simply make the baptism of Acts 10 identical with Acts 2, which, of course, it is not. In Matthew 28:19, the baptismal formula makes a clear distinction between the three persons, although they have the same name. Notice in John 14:16, the Son is praying, the Father is sending, and is the Holy Ghost who comes to abide. The Father does not come to abide, the Holy Ghost comes to abide. And yet when the Holy Ghost comes, we read, You are complete in Christ, and in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So we see there are three in one and one in three, and the one in the middle died for me. In Acts 2.33, the Son has been exalted to the right hand of the Father, which is not true of the Holy Ghost. The Father is on his throne, which is not true of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit is received by the Son and given to the church, which is not true of the Son. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are three separate persons, three separate personalities with mutual relations one to another, speaking to one another, recognizing each other, sharing certain divine attributes, but each with a specific work of his own. This is the Bible teaching on the deity of the Holy Spirit. It can be checked out by carefully checking the last 100 references I gave you on the last three broadcasts. A hundred verses of Scripture showing you over and over again, one, the Holy Ghost is a person, number two, he's a member of the Godhead, number three, he is fully God, Lord, and God a very God, and yet as a separate person the Godhead, he has separate works and attributes and titles which are his uniquely alone and are not shared with the Son and with the Father. You say, I can't understand how such a thing can be. No unsaved man could, because the natural man receiveth not the thing of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned, and the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. You say, I just don't understand how God could divide himself into three parts and he manifest three different ways at the same time. I can't either, but he does. That's the point. Any man who professed to be a serious student of theology, any man who has equipped himself or prepared himself for seminary education or seminary seminary and knowledge of the advanced thing in the Word of God, will never get beyond the freshman level unless he recognizes this absolute biblical truth manifest from Genesis to Revelation, that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit make up one God, one Lord. But that God and Lord can manifest himself in three different ways, as a body, God the Son, as a spirit, God the Holy Ghost, and as a soul, God the Father. And since man was made the image of God, man was made with a body, soul, and a spirit. And when a man gets saved, his spirit is born again, his soul is cut loose from his body, circumcised inside by the regenerating, circumcising power of the Holy Spirit, and he is sealed by the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. All right, this concludes our third lesson on the Holy Spirit, which dealt with the deity and names of the Holy Ghost. We're not through this lesson yet. In our next uh, lesson, we'll talk about the names of the Holy Spirit specifically, the names of the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit is subordinate to the Son and to the Father. Then in our next two lessons, that is, following our next broadcast, 
Our next two lessons, lesson 46 and 47, we shall discuss in great detail the work of the Holy Spirit. A blessed lesson with blessed truths that will revive and refresh your heart, I'm sure, if you'll tune in and be with us then.